To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on The Female Millionaire Show. I'm Midori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and I interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. Today is going to be a really special episode because we have two incredibly dynamic women who have grown a business and created a brand, which is super cool. But we're going to hear about how they went from kind of just investing whatever they had themselves into their business to grow an incredible business and get rounds of funding. So you want to listen in on this. One thing that I also want to say is the brand that they have created weaves in their story and their vibe, like this cool vibe so well. And this is something that I talk about quite a bit is when you create a brand, when you create a business, how can you incorporate you? into it and what lights you up and what gets you excited so when people see it you stand out and these two women have done that so eloquently and so in such a cool way that i can't wait for you to check it out so join me in welcoming jules weldon and stace pierce to the show thanks for being here ladies oh my gosh thank you we're excited to be here maduri thank you so much yeah so Okay, first of all, how do you pronounce the, the brand? Is it O-M-E gear or is it, yep, just like that. O-M-E, so it stands for Oceans, Mountains, Earth gear or Outdoors Made Easy. So it's kind of it's kind of a play on both of those. Cool, so yeah, I was checking out your, your website, looking into you a little bit, and you can tell when you read it that, or when you're, when you're looking at the brand, they don't take themselves, you guys don't take yourselves too seriously. You're about living your, I feel like it, it made me feel like it's about living your best life. Hmm. And what lights you up? And I love, Jules, that you stated, you know, if, if there was one person I had to be around on an, I, I don't remember if it was an island or all the time, you're like, it would be Stace because she makes great cocktails. I'm like, <laughs> and that's sad. I just love that. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, that means so much that that's your perception of our website because that's what you saw and because that's exactly who we are. Life is way too short um, to A, take yourself too seriously or B, not go after what's in your heart. Um, and so I love it. That's your perception of our website. So thanks. Yeah, it came through really easily, but you may have cool products. So talk to us a little bit about the journey. What inspired you and what got you to where you are? And we're, we're going to break that down too, because you guys have done quite, uh, you ladies have done you know a number of things. So we're going to break that down, but talk to us a little bit about the journey. What inspired you to start this business? So, so I know we have only a few minutes here. So, but so this is Stace talking yeah. for those who who are listening who aren't yeah. listening i mean they're only listening so the story actually did not start with jules and myself it actually started back in 1998 with jules's parents um and they witnessed they were on the beach the boardwalk of bethany beach delaware and they watched their mom struggle on the beach and they had a family of six kids so they knew the struggle um and 
so they watched this mom at the end of the day and she was trying to get the kids off the beach with all their stuff. And, and they were like, the beach should just not be this hard. Uh, you know, the beach is pretty much a free place for people to go have fun and enjoy your time. But so often we try to go to the beach and it's just a struggle to get on and off the beach because um, we have to bring everything, especially when you have kids. And so they were like, so they went up to their hotel room and actually napkin sketched a two-in-one concept. It was a lounge chair that flipped up into a dolly. So you carry all your stuff, then you had a seat when you got there. And but they just never took it to market. They got patents on it and everything. They just didn't know how to take it to market. They, and, and that was before beach carts and wagons were all the rage. Right. Like, and everybody's like, what tire works? Like that was before all of that, where my parents came up with this. Yeah. So then uh, fast forward, well, they had to go back to their real lives and they owned a bakery. Uh, they, the bakery's still in existence to this day, over 50 years in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is where Jules is from, um, that her, her brother now owns and runs. Um, but so they shelved it. And about 12 years later, Jules had been working for one of the top four consulting firms in the, in the world. And as a business consultant and just needed something to call her own, got tired of working 80 hours a week for somebody else and just said, you know, I, I just need something. So she called up her dad and, and I asked him, you know, if, if she could have his invention and try to take it to market. And he was like, absolutely. And, and she'll, she always says, and I need to say this, her dad is, is one of her heroes, but now one of my heroes. Um, and just a salt of the earth gentleman. Um, so she partnered with the business partner. They tried to take, they re redesigned it, uh, partnered with the manufacturer out of Hickory, North Carolina, and just didn't work. It didn't, uh, the, the partnership just didn't mesh out. And Jules ended up walking away from our own company in um, 2014. But we lived at the beach. So this idea just never went away. And, um, and I was working for Corporate America. Jules actually, and I always want to put this in because it shows the struggles and the heartache of, of something you, that you feel like failed. Um, she actually went and worked on the shrimp docks in Charleston, South Carolina for $10 an hour. Went from being the owner of her own company and everybody wanted their product. I mean, it would have been wild, wildly successful if she had partnered with the right people, um, but went and worked for $10 an hour delving out shrimp just to be around the salt of the earth people and heal her soul. Hmm. But about nine months in, Jules and I were like, all right, you, you're, I'm tired of you smelling like shrimp. <laughs> I, I, there's only so many shrimp ex, uh, recipes I can make. Uh, so um, we had started a, a, a coaching firm, a business coaching firm, and and we were like, let's just kind of focus on that. I was still working in corporate America, but this idea of this beach cart transformer thing just never went away. And, and we, like I said, we lived at the beach and we would see all the junk at the, at the end of the board rocks. And uh, so in 2017, we were like, all right, let's do, there's something here. So we really need to do something with this. And so in, in 2000, into 2017, 2018, we partnered with the design firm, put in about $350,000 to create the the design that we wanted um, and with our first initial prototype and we were off to the races incorporated in 2018 as OME gear oceans plus mountains equals earth. So I want to go back for a second because you, you started, you mentioned how Jules, you started this business and it didn't work. It failed, you know, for whatever, for whatever reasons, but then you went and you worked at a shrimp company and I'm guessing at that point, 
or actually, no, I, what I wanted to do is ask you, like, what was going through? How are you feeling? How did you deal with it? How did you get through that challenge? Because as women, what I hear all the time from working with women, you know, women entrepreneurs for 30 years is that we beat the crap out of ourselves. And if we stay there, it's a bad place. But that's one of the biggest fears of why women don't pull them, push themselves to that higher level to really stretch and achieve the things that they want to do. So can you talk to us a little bit about what was going through your, through your mind and through your head at that point? Great question. Um, so this morning I was journaling and I don't do it all the time, but when I do it, um, it's because I've got some really like things that I need to get out on paper. And I listed out the key moments in my life, um, over the last 52 years, the highlights and the lowlights. And one of them was that moment where I walked away from my own company. And the reason why it was so, um, Ooh, so like, I don't even know that I have the right word for it, but heavy um, was because I was walking away from my dream. Like, and I was, but more than that, I was walking away from my parents' dream that I said I was going to pick back up and revive. And so the failure of that was real um, or, you know, but the, and like everybody says, failure is not really failure, right? If you choose for it not to be failure, it's failure is defined by how you get up from it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, I have this, and, and maybe some of your listeners can relate to this. Hopefully all of them can. I have this innate calling in me to influence as many people as I possibly can for good in this world. It's, it's just an innate like drive in me and it's a calling. Mm -hmm. And when you've been called to something, like I believe Stace and I have been called to something. It's never about a company. It's never about a success. It's never about a failure, but it's about being true to your one purpose on this earth. And I believe we all have that. I believe we've been very uniquely crafted, handcrafted to bring to this earth a certain purpose. And so the biggest thing that we can do is find that purpose and then live in it. And so my failures, and I put that in air quotes, have been many. I mean, they've been many and some that, you know, I'm embarrassed to even talk about, um, but they've all been part of defining who I am for this moment today. And so as a result of that, I'm forever grateful for that failure of the first chance try at this company, because for me, it was a greenhouse of learning. I mean, literally it was a, an M better than an MBA that I could have ever gotten in business because I was on the front lines dealing with personalities, dealing with conflict, dealing with um, feeling misunderstood. I mean, so many different things, but also getting successes in the midst of it, you know, and then having to walk away from all of that. It was a really hard decision. And so when Stace said, I went to the shrimp docks, I, I didn't care about the money. It wasn't about whether I make $10 an hour or $300 an hour. To me, it was about being around genuine salt of the earth people who weren't doing something for money. They were doing shrimping because they loved it and they wanted to give that gift to the world. And that's what I needed to be around. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I answered your question, but those are my thoughts. I think you answered it beautifully because 
that's it, right? There's aren't throughout your life, haven't you met people where you're like, oh, they just, there's just, I love talking to them every time because they just kind of ground me. Mm-hmm. And they it's not like we're trying to impress each other. We can just be. And that's what it sounds like to me is that you went through this tumultuous, heartbreaking period. One of the biggest fears that many of us have when we're starting a business or growing a business or trying to make it doesn't even have to be a business. It could be a career, it could be anything, but then making the conscious choice to go be around people who, who made you feel okay and kind of re uh, get you back to that place where, you know what, this is our life. This is, you know, it's, it's okay. This is, that's the way it makes me, when I hear you say that, um, you know, some of us go and meditate, some of us go and some people go and drink, some people do drugs, whatever it is, but you found a healthy way to light yourself back up and be around those who made you feel, um, the way that you should feel. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's really kind of critical for all of us to remember. Yeah. Thanks. So we're writing a book right now and um, it's a chapter of the story. Yeah. It's not the whole book. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's what we have to remember is when you read a book, some chapters, you're like, Ugh, I just want to get through this one so I can find out what's coming next. Um, and that was a chapter of my life and a very important one, a very defining one for me. Um, but defining in a really good way. Okay. So now let's shift a little bit. So that, that was kind of the, the low, but now you have some amazing things that are going in your business. So I want to talk about that. So you re, so you two come together and you say, we're, we're doing this, we're doing this again, and we're going to do it differently. So talk to us about this stage of your business. Um, well, I think I think one way we had to reestablish ourselves in the in the consumer market was mark. I mean, the, how we marketed ourselves. I mean, we we it was created at the beach, but it wasn't just about the beach. It was literally about making outdoors easy for people, and and that, that was the whole premise of this. And so it's not just the beach. It's not just the lake. It's anytime you need to carry something and have a seat when you get there. So children's sporting events. Uh, yeah, uh, tailgating at football games or, you know, going to baseball games, wherever, camping, because it even it even falls out into a camping cot. And so it was, it was making a, a product that was sustainable for the, you know, for the people using it, they can use it in multiple different ways and take away a lot of the junk that's already, they already have in their house. And so th- that was the that was like, let. so when we wrote out, when Jules and I really sat down and say, okay, what do we want this product to do? Because that was a, that uh, her last company, her, it was pigeonholed to being at the beach only. And so we, we were like, let's open it up to the masses. And so, you know, that was something that we feel like that that was a, that was a step in the right direction towards success is let's open it up to everybody. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan or Florida or California you can use this product. Um, and then it's, and this time I feel like another um, step in the right direction towards success was we were partnered together and we brought in the right team. Now, has everyone we brought in been the right person? Uh, no, um, but for the most part, our core team is still here since we started in 2018. Um, our core, the people we started with. And I think that is um, because we all share the same values. 
and bringing in those people in your team with the same values who get your vision will, will, will propel you towards success any day. And I think those are those are two big stepping stones that brought has brought us to where we are today is our core values are three, our core values, our messaging and our team. Um, and then it is, you know, and even on the hardest days where we feel like we're failing, we can look back at those three things and say, no, we're, we're on the right track. That's, I talk about that a lot in my, my, uh, business called feel the fire and core values are always a big part of it because when you have strong core values that are clear and they're being used throughout your whole business, not just on paper. Right. And then also your people can, your, your, the people that you're going to bring into your company can see where you're going. I call it your summit goal mapping framework. Other people use OKRs, EOS, whatever it is, doesn't matter, but <clears throat> where you have your summit, what's it look like? Where, what are you building? Why are you building it? What are the core values of it? And you weave all that in, you bring in a higher value person who's in alignment with your company. And therefore everyone's more fired up right? Because they're excited about what you're doing. I'm assuming that those who come into your company are not people who are not outdoorsy, you know, that are, that are, I'm guessing they're, they're, you know, grounded and cool and probably like a cocktail, you know? And so, and that's, that's who you want to be around. Those are the people who light you up. And then when you come together, there's a synergy that happens and things compound and it's more exciting. So that is really, really critical as we grow our businesses is to make sure our culture, our core values, what we're about, where we're going is clear to everyone who's coming in because it just naturally brings in the right people. Is that what you have found? Oh, 100%. It's funny that you say about the cocktail because one of our criteria is, um, would we want to have a cocktail with them? And it's not about the cocktail. You can have a mocktail or whatever, but it's about the act of sharing something together, Right. Um, and if we get on a, a first interview and we don't want more, then they're not a good fit. Right. You know, if we're not like going, gosh, I can't wait to talk to that person again, then they're not a good fit for our company. And not that they're not a good person. It's just that they're not a good fit with us because the, the, the first years of building your company, your team is literally everything. The people that you choose to be a part of that group, to build it out, especially the places where we're going and the, the goals that we have, we have to have people that we are stoked about being in the trenches with us, right? That like, if I'm, if I'm in the trench, like I, anybody on our team, I want right next to me. Um, and so that's, that's a criteria for sure. I mean, as, as tongue in cheek and, you know, funny as that may be, it's, would we want to have a cocktail or mocktail or whatever with them? We can call that cocktail approach to hiring. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's it's funny. Uh, we as a team, whenever we travel, we'll go to a trade show, or whatever. We all stay in the same Airbnb. We always get a big enough one for everyone, so no one is ever. You're never gone back, going back to your hotel room and feeling alone. We all come together. We all eat together. I do all the cooking. We all have cocktails or mocktails together, or coffee, and and to that is part of that is ingrained into our culture that we tell people from the very beginning that you, when we go places, we all stay together, we all eat together um, because we want that family still in our company. Our company is built around families, getting outdoors and doing things together. So why wouldn't we do that as our team? And, and, and in that way, if we can talk about our day, we can, we can um, de decompress, we can 
get crazy. We can laugh, yeah. laugh and you know, we can cry, whatever, but we're there together as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's super important to us. And so that person also has to be able to stay in the Airbnb with us. Yeah. That, that goes along with the whole cocktail methodology, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's intentional. It sounds like when I'm listening to you talk, everything is very intentional in how you build it. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back a little bit um, before we go forward before we started recording, you had mentioned how when you first started the company, you got a van you, and you did some almost like guerrilla marketing. Can you talk to, to us about that? How did you get your name out there? How did you get some buzz going? Um, well, it actually starts with a hard story. So we got to a point where we didn't have any money. So we've raised $2 million to date. Um, some of that's our own funding. When Stace talked about the design being 350000 I need your listeners to know we didn't have a big bank account where we paid for that. That was investor money that we went out and raised and um, through friends and family. Um, And so we got to a point where it was um, during COVID and lots of, lots of different elements to this story, but we got to a point where we didn't have any money and our manufacturer, we, we couldn't go over because it was COVID. We couldn't go over and check the product and, so anyway, so he just, uh, we had a great relationship, still do have a great relationship with him. And he sent over our first shipload of product, but we couldn't pay him because we didn't have the money. We'd put a deposit down, but we couldn't pay the balance. And so it was Christmas in 2020. 2020 and we were, we, we just recently did a TED talk on this, um, but we were broke, literally and broken. We didn't have money to pay for our product that was on the water coming over. And so right before Christmas, no presents under the tree, tree just to set the stage. I mean, it was, it was bleak. It was a hard time. And I looked at Stace and I said, how much do you believe in this company? And she started crying and she said, with all of my heart. And I looked back at her, started crying myself. And I said, I think we need to sell our house. And she said, didn't even hesitate, which is one of the things that I just admire about Stace. She's on board. She said, all right, let's do it. It sold within four days. I don't even think we listed it. It sold. And we were like, oh, great. We didn't think about like, what are we going to do if it sells that quickly? Um, So we were like, all right, well, I mean, why don't we hit the road? I mean, it was really that spontaneous where we're like, lots of people are buying RVs. We can finance an RV. It's cheaper than a house payment. Um, wrap it in our branding and just hit the road and just, you know, build, build our company one wander at a time. So that's what we did. So we hit the road in 2021 and we're on the road for two years. Um, and we went from East coast to West coast and back and up and down and all over and went to trade shows and festivals. And as they kind of came back online, um, but really it was one relationship at a time, which is who Stace and I are. Literally, that's how we build things is one genuine relationship at a time. So we came off of the road in May of this year um, in anticipation of a really large investment that's coming in. Um, but oh gosh, we wouldn't trade that experience on the road for anything. It was amazing. You know, and I love that story because I was, I told you earlier, I was listening to an interview with Jesse Itzler, who um, is an amazing entrepreneur. He's done incredible things. He's, he is crazy, but he taught, he shared a story about um, when he first started, when, when he had nothing and he was willing to give up his, he wanted to be a DJ or he had, he was doing lyrics and he was willing to 
to have an investment of $10,000 with this gentleman. And in return, he would give 10% of all of his future endeavors to this gentleman. So selling it for $10,000, right? Then he went and talked to um, someone's dad who was a very intelligent entrepreneur. And he said to him, Jesse, do you believe that you will build this be really successful? And Jesse said, yeah, I totally believe that I can be. And the guy got so mad. He threw his notebook on the ground. He said, that's not what I asked you. I said, will you? So it was will versus can. And that's what I'm hearing with, with you two is that was your decision. It was not can we, will we? And the answer was yes. And that was a definitive yes from both of you. So it's like, okay, so now what are we going to do? There's, we're going to make this work. And when you have that mindset, that's when you stay laser focused. That's when things start to happen because you find a way to make it happen versus the, yeah, I can yeah, I can go run a marathon. Yeah, maybe it's, it's a, it's a mindset shift. And that's such a great story where you illustrated that. To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on The Female Millionaire Show. I'm Midori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and I interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. We are here with Jules Weldon and Stace Pierce. They are the co-founders of OME Gear. And we just had an interview with them where they talked about their journey to, you know, the, the the challenges that they have overcome, selling their house because they didn't have money to pay for the product that was sitting in the ocean waiting to be delivered and how they went on the road and things just started to unfold. Now, this part of the interview, we're gonna talk about how they have gotten funding, how they have made things work and where they, how they have really accelerated the growth of the business. So let's talk about that. So you are, last we heard, you are traveling the United States in your van that you have wrapped. It's all branded. But now, you know, you've gotten, you have progressed from that standpoint. So talk to us about where you are and how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah. So actually it was a 32 foot RV and neither one of us had ever driven an RV, let alone ridden it. I mean, ridden in an RV, let alone driven one. And so we towed a car behind us. We were about what, 45 feet mm -hmm. that we were driving down the road. So it was, I know that Jules was driving. I, I don't drive. Yeah. We, we made a deal where if I did all the driving, she would clean the poop chute. And so I felt like that was pretty fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so to, I, I don't think I finished my story. Um, and I, as you were talking, I remembered that I didn't finish my story. So when we sold our house, we took the equity from our house and bought our product back with that equity. 
So that's how we were able to get our product again. And as, as you were talking to Midori, I thought about the analogy that for us anyway, and probably a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to this can relate, or not even entrepreneurs, just people going through challenges in life, where life is often like, not like a smooth sailing ride down the highway. It's not like that. It's more like a ride down the highway with torrential rain, potholes all in the road, and obstacles that you have to avoid as you're going. And so what you have to do when you're on that kind of a ride is you literally just have to make the decision for the next 10 feet. You can't think of, you know, a half a mile down the road or three miles down the road or where we're getting off at the exit. You literally have to pay so much attention, 10 and two on the wheel, and all of your energy goes to getting past the next 10. That's like driving like, that's like driving an RV. It is. That that was our journey for two years. Driving the RV was, it's literally your white knuckling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I mean, talking about investing, that was um, money that we invested where we sold our house and and invested the equity into the company. We probably, I'll let you talk. I mean, if you would just talk about the pitches that we did and the people that we approached and I mean, for the most part, we uh, have raised friends and family. Uh, That's what we have been able to secure our our raises from, where we just went out to our friends and family and said, hey, can you help us? Here's Here's our idea. Here's the product. And here's the roadmap. And um and, and a lot of people say yes, but we've had a lot of no's too. Um, and we've, we've pitched to people we don't know or haven't, or, you know, didn't know at the time and have built relationships with. And, and we didn't really have a product when we started pitching. We just had a, a prototype and we're like, we, we need somebody to believe in the jockeys, not necessarily the horse, because, you know, the jockeys are the ones that, that can get it over the finish line, even though, you know, but the horse is what we're riding on. But so we've been able to secure about two million with just our friends and family in our own investments. Um, I mean, we've closed out everything, maxed out credit cards, closed out 401ks, uh, zero savings left. But, you know, but it's because we believe in it. And I think when we pitch to people, they see us as and, and they get our vision. And then we show them our roadmap and they're blown away and they're like, absolutely. I would we want to be a part of what you're building. And our investors, every one of them have been just so patient and kind with us and just just um, affirming that we're on the right path and keep us going. Uh, uh, so right now, uh, we are in the middle of a big closing, closing a, a significant investment from a private investor. Uh, but there's something that I want the listeners to know is everything costs more, takes longer, and is harder. I mean, it, it's not an easy ride, especially service companies, service startups are completely different than products. We've had experience with both of them. We've coached both of them for years. Um, so but building a product, our product has over 142 parts, pieces and parts to it. So it's in a complex product. Um, we do say that two blinds created it, so it can't be that hard, but um, <laughs> it is a complex product with a lot of parts, pieces and parts. But all that to say is, is it, it does cost more money and it does take longer and it's harder than anything you'll probably ever experience in your life if you are wanting to be an entrepreneur in the product space. Um, 
so all I had to say is we're we're waiting. We we have been waiting um, the length of time. Um, we you know we had we expected this investment to close a while back, and and um, and it should be happening really shortly. Okay, well that's exciting. So talk to us a little bit, you know, when you think of investment, I'm always, when, when I hear my clients say, well, I plan on going and getting VC funding or angel funding or whatever it is, I always make them take a step back because when you do that, it is a whole new ball game, yeah, right? No longer is it just yours. Okay. And so let's, let's talk about that. Let's first, let's go into how you went about getting funding, the pitch deck and, and how you approached people. Did you have a, did you write out, you know, who are we going to, to reach out to? Did you have kind of a, you know, how did you go about the planning of that? Yeah. So when I left the company before, back in 2014, I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't, if I ever did a company again, I would never, ever, ever give away majority ownership. Um, and so for Stace and I, it's really important that we're majority owners to be women owned certified and all, for a lot of different reasons. So if, if somebody, a lot of times with PE money and VC money and that they want a large chunk of equity in your company. And for us, that just didn't work, especially early on. And so, um, yes, that's exactly what we did. We literally listed out all of our friends who we either knew had money or were connected to people with money or just really believed in us and our vision. Mm -hmm. And we sent them an email and we just said, Hey, you know, here's what we're doing. We're look, we put together a deal structure where it was just debt uh, with interest um, over a certain period of time. Um, I think a lot of times in business, we make things more complicated than they need to be. And so we just wanted to put together a simple deal, deal structure um, that was debt with, you know, 10% interest and then paid back over a certain period of time. And so we had friends buy in anywhere from $5,000 to $400,000 $450,000 was our largest investor um, and, and everywhere in between. And so for us, what we found, our, our faith is really important to us. And what we have found on this journey is that truly, God only has given us what we've needed for the moment, mm -hmm. because if we get too much, then we, a lot of times people spend it frivolously or aren't faithful with it or whatever. And so for us, we've had to learn some really hard lessons along the way that have humbled us in ways that we couldn't have anticipated, um, where, you know, an investor comes out of literally nowhere and says from a, we met a guy at a music festival and he's like, I want to invest money into your company. And we're like, how did you know we need that? Like, we didn't even ask him. And he mm -hmm. sort of said, I've been watching you and I, you guys are hustlers. You guys don't quit. You guys are relational. And he said, I, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so all of our investors are just that they're people who have watched us, believe in us. And when you find investors like that and you can't pay them back in the time that you promised, there's grace that comes with it, mm -hmm. right? They're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. You pay me back when you can. I believe in you and I'm not gonna be the one that puts more pressure on you. All of our investors are like that. And so you have to be very, very, very cautious who you take money from mm -hmm. um, because money and power do very weird things when they're not 
uh, when they turn negative. So you have to be very, very careful. And honestly, I mean, you clearly give great counsel to your people. If anybody wanted to reach out to us and talk to us more about our experience, we are more than happy to talk to them. Um, it's always a much funner, com much more fun conversation over mm -hmm. cocktails. Um, but we're happy to do it over the phone too. <laughs> um, I, I want to add in there, you know, because I had alluded to this larger investment coming in, and I th and and Jules also alluded to that God has given us what we need, and it's just literally come out of nowhere. Somebody will reach out and say, or we'll be sitting at a restaurant and we'll talk, start talking about our company, and somebody will say, "Do are you looking for investors?" Yes, we're looking for investors. Um, and so those things have happened to, I mean, anytime we can have an opportunity just to talk about our company, not even asking for investors, we do, because we're proud of it. We're proud of what we've built. Um, but I, we feel like that God has brought, you know, I mean, we have been brought to our knees building this company many times. Um, and, and it goes back to resilience is how you get up. Um, it's, it's what you've learned from being on your knees. And we feel like that when when this money comes, it, it you know we will be ready for it. Where I don't know if we would have been ready for it a year ago, or or you know six months ago, or whatever. Um, and so I think that it, that we're being we're in a um, a learning stage, in a growth stage where we're we're growing to be ready for the growth that's going to happen beyond um, this investment. This has been so fascinating and I, we could go on and on about this, but, you know, hearing where you started and how you have persevered through several challenges, big challenges where I think probably 80% of people would have just thrown in the towel, but the importance of being lit up by the business that you're creating, right? Because we're going to be knocked. I always say, you know, you get knocked in the, you get punched in the gut, knocked out at the knees, and then it's how quickly you rebound, right? And what you've learned and how you choose to move forward where the gifts are, where the, where the you know, you, you see that, that um, kind of like, the, I feel like the shining stars and everything else just kind of comes together. And that's what I feel like for those of us who are entrepreneurs, we are a little crazy. We aren't the, you know, the mainstream, but there's something about being an entrepreneur and going through those challenges and not having things come easy, but figuring out a way that I think for, for us entrepreneurs, as crazy ones, that it lights us up. We wouldn't be satisfied unless this is what's happening, right? Yeah. And you have both shared it so eloquently. And um, thank you for, for sharing your journey. And it's exciting to see where you're going and what's to come. Where can people follow you and go see what, you, what you're offering with your super cool business? Hmm, thanks. Um, they can find us, obviously, omegear.com. Um, we're on all social media platforms. We're, um, we've found a lot of success on TikTok. Um, so that's a great spot to find us, Instagram, Facebook, all, if you type in OME gear, will come up, um, and then follow me on LinkedIn. I, um, I try to post if not daily every other day and, um, try to really just use that platform as an encouragement to other people who are sort of doing the same thing. Um, but just Jules Weldon on LinkedIn, um, is a great spot to find us too. But then if they, if they want to reach out and have questions or 
They can shoot us an email at info at OME gear. So we, we check that every day. Um, so if you send it to there, it would come to us directly and we always respond. So, um, so they can send there as well. That is incredibly generous. And for you saying, you know, Hey, if you're thinking about going and getting funding, talk to us because it is not easy and you need to know what you're getting into before yeah. you go and ask for any money. And, you know, I like the, the idea of the debt and how you framed it, but you need to know about that too, right? You can get yourself into a whole yeah. lot of trouble if you don't have a plan and understand how it works. So I greatly appreciate your, your generosity. Well, so 2%, I don't know if your listeners know, but less than 2% of all funding goes to women. I mean, just let that sink in less than 2%. So there's a couple problems there. Number one, obviously more women need to get funding, but number two, more women need to follow their dreams mm -hmm. with their products that they have in their minds, because a lot of really amazing products have been invented by women. But I think a lot of women hold back because of fear of, well, I don't know how to do it. I've got a family to raise. I've got whatever the, whatever the reason is um, that we hold back from following our dreams and we need, and we're advocates of getting more women in the product space and being a part of helping them find funding and giving them the coaching that they need to be able to know how to go from concept to consumer, right? Um, we, um, we have a massive heart for that. So you're exactly right. I mean, if we can do anything to help fill in the potholes with rocks, for other people. So their road isn't as treacherous than ours, then our journey is worth it. Go follow these ladies, watch mm -hmm. their journey, reach out to them. They are amazing in their business. You got to check out the, their products. Super cool. I was just at the beach. I just stayed at the beach at our friend's house for a few days and holy cow, carrying all those chairs. And then God forbid you also have a cooler because it's 150 <laughs> degrees out. It's a pain. It's yeah. a pain. I needed your product then. I needed it. <laughs> we know where you can find one. <laughs> now I know. Now I know. Thank you That's so much. Fun. This has been a great conversation. And I look forward to watching your journey for the next stage. Awesome. Thank, Thank you so much. much for the privilege.